Good evening, one and all. Welcome to another episode of 247 Real Talk. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, it's about 10.22 p.m. on Wednesday, July 6th. And uh, I hope you guys had a great week since uh, we last, or you last listened to uh, an episode of my show and hope it was productive. And, it's, you know, if you're in New York, it's real good weather, depending on where you are. You know, some places are a little... Uh, Hotter than usual, and you know, some are wet, but I'm hoping that you all had a productive and a great and a blessed week. We're back here again to share some more real talk. Uh, Before I get started, I just wanted to um, say a few uh, or or give you an update on the the television um, issue. That remember, I mentioned a few episodes ago that I'm working on 247 Real Talk podcast, also being on TV. The cable channel that I'm working with is a pretty new channel. It's probably, it's up and coming. I'm not sure how many, how old it is, but um, it's taking a little bit more time than I thought. You know, I had to convert my studio from audio to TV. I had to do quite a bit of practicing because I'm not used to being in front of the camera. And then, the, you know, I have to work with the TV, uh, the, you know, the network with commercials and all these things. So... It's taking a little while, but I'm hoping July, we're in July already, so either this month or next month I can say something positive about it. I don't have any further news right now, but um, I'm hoping it all pans out and I'm looking forward to the opportunity uh, should it, you know, realize itself. So here we are um, on another episode, and I wanted to just uh, share my thoughts on a few things on this episode. Um don't want to be too long-winded. I always say that, and then it ends up going pretty long because I get into the conversation. But again, I'm going to make an effort to keep it short, hopefully. So there are kind of uh, maybe three main things I'm going to talk about. And the first one is, I'm wondering, how are you guys doing out there with the IRS? Um, I had, A few episodes ago, I had shared with you, um, you know, a few things about the IRS. But what's more important now is, you know, I had mentioned in one of my um, episodes that, you know, it's crazy how they don't pay us interest. But if, you know, once we are late, if we owe them right after tax filing day, the interest starts to accrue. So I want to tell you all what's going on with me because it was really crazy. Um, I do my own taxes every year. I use TurboTax, Deluxe, or whatever that, you know, um, version is. And, I've been doing it for many, many years, probably, you know, over 20 years. I'm pretty good at it. 
This year, I filed my taxes probably, I want to say maybe, you know, the first week of February. Filed them electronically, did the whole nine, and it turned out that um, I owed the I owed the feds some money. And so, you know, I, um, when you file electronically, you know, I gave them authorization on tax date to withdraw the money. And then I start, you know, for some reason, I reviewed my taxes after I had filed, and I realized I made an uncharacteristic error, a very uncharacteristic of me. And so it turned out that I had to file an amendment, and that amendment um, actually flipped things the other way, and now they owed me some money. So... I had to wait a little while, a couple of weeks, because TurboTax didn't have the was the 1040X or something like that, the amendment form. wasn't ready at the time in their software. So I waited a few weeks until it was ready, and I, you know, I was able to electronically file the amendment, and it was filed on February 24th. Now, when you, when you use TurboTax, you get the, once the IRS receives the, re, the return and they check it initially, I guess it's a quick check, you get an email back saying it's been accepted or rejected. And mine was accepted. This is February 24th. It was accepted on 20, February 24th. So I probably filed it the same day or the day before. So there's a system where you can go online and see the progress of your, your, your return. So now, you know, I, I guess... Sometime in March, I went through the system and I looked and I did not see my amended return. So I started Googling and people were saying, basically, it's supposed to take three weeks. Even on the, on, the, on the IRS website, it said three weeks before it shows up on their system. And I said, okay, no, no problem. So now we get to tax day. And of course, they take the money, right? They take the money out of my account. And I'm not too worried because I said, well, I'm going to get it back plus some very shortly. So after about six weeks, Still nothing showing up. I'm sorry if you're hearing noise in the background, but it's, you know, it's after 4th of July and people are still, you know, shooting fireworks outside of my home studio. So I, you know, I can get rid of a lot of noise, but it's crazy. Anyway, so I guess about, you know, six weeks in, um, maybe, you know, I keep looking, it's not showing up. And I keep Googling and people are saying, well, it's taken a lot longer than three weeks that they promised. And I, I want to say February, March, April, uh, I think maybe the end of April going in or sometime in May, all of a sudden it shows up on their website. They received it and they said they received it on February 24th. So, I'm a little, you know, I'm kind of a little tired of waiting now. And they say, well, it, you know, when you file an amendment, it takes 16 weeks before you'll get you receive your refund or, you know, so 60 weeks is four months now. So February to March, April, May. Okay. So sometime in June, right. But we filed tax in April. So, you know, I don't get any interest in the money that they owe me. Right. So anyway, we get into now close to 16 weeks. And I said, oh, uh, let me check to see what's going on. I'm checking. It's still saying, um, it's in process. And then one day I check and it's got this this red sticker on it that says stop. And basically, and I, I'm not looking at it right now, so I don't have the exact verbiage, but it says something like, you know, we, um, your your amendment was not filed, you know, on time. Or when I say not, not processed on time. 
Um, please call and they give you a phone number, an extension, and they're open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, to check your status and to speak with someone if you need to. So one day I get into my office about nine something in the morning when I decide, I think about it and I call and you have to put in your date of birth and your social security number and your zip code. And then they say, we apologize for not processing, you know, that is the delay in processing your amendment. Um, if you'd like to you know, find out more, go to the website. But of course, the website doesn't, you know, send you back to this, this phone number. And our hours of operation to speak to someone is 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Um, so, you know, press one if you'd like to speak to someone. So I pressed one and it, be, it said something like, um, thank you for calling, blah, blah, blah. Your wait time is 60 minutes. It was a little bit more than 60, about 60 minutes, an hour. Of course, I'm at work and I can't do this. So I said, well, I called at nine something. It's an hour wait. I hung up. And I waited a little while. I checked the website again this morning, and there's still no update. But I checked early this morning. So I looked at my, my watch, and it's about 7.47. I remember they said they open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. for a live uh, representative. So I call about 7.47. I go through all the same prompts. And then I get to, I go to, to speak to the live representative, and they say, oh, we're sorry but based on your request, we cannot handle uh, something to the extent they can't handle the volume of calls today. Please call back another day. Click. So at nine something in the morning a few weeks ago, the wait was an hour. At seven something in the morning, now they just opened 40 minutes and they tell me for the rest of the day, they can't take my call. And we just have to sit there and wait. Right? Shouldn't there be, I mean, we're taxed in so many different ways by the federal government. Shouldn't they have some culpability in this? They're using taxpayers' money to pay for the, for the, for the, the staff that, that work at the IRS. They're taxing your income. They're taxing you for sales when you buy stuff. They're taxing you for just about everything. Gas, tax, you name it, there's a tax. Taxes on houses and, and, and you know, property, they're out the roof. And then they, they owe you money. And they're just allowed to sit there and tell you, well, we don't have, you know, we don't have enough staff to do it. And you just have to sit there and wait patiently. And when they finally get back to you, they're going to give you exactly what they owed you, not a penny more. But if you are, you happen to be in tough times and you don't have enough money, when the filing day tax comes, they start adding interest to what you owe them. And if you don't pay them, you know, they're going to come after you. So you got to make an agreement. So for me, I just think that the whole system is unfair. This is a system we've been fighting in so many ways and so, you know, for so long, and we can't win. So I'm just curious, you know, drop me a line, an email, you know. Um, I haven't given my email address for a long time. It's podcast at 247realtalk.net. And, you know, let me know if you're, you're, you're you know, dealing with similar issues with, with the IRS you know, or any federal agents for the, the federal agency for that matter. Because I'd really like to highlight it. I'd really like to, um, you know, bring it to light on my podcast and, and have the conversations open up about what we're facing as a population. You know, we government's supposed to be you know, by the people, for the people. And it just seems to me that no matter where we turn, we're getting hit over the head by the same government that we support and that we, you know, pay taxes to. And that should be working for us and making our lives easier and better, but they're not. And year after year and, 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 and decade after decade, you just keep getting away with the same nonsense. So let me know about that.
So I'm going to switch over now. Like I said, I'm going to try to keep this episode uh, short, maybe hopefully to about 30 minutes or no more. And I'm sorry, it's really hot in my studio tonight. If I put on the air conditioner, then you won't be able to hear me. Um, what do you guys think about the Brittany Griner situation? I was chatting with a, a very good friend of mine today and um, kind of going through his thoughts versus mine on, on, about what happened. And, and, you know, I did some research and I found out that cannabis, anything CBD, anything with any THC level is illegal in Russia. They don't allow anything as such. And, you know, um, I think that she has been living there, going back and forth there for a while. So I, I want to believe that she's probably, you know, the CBD thing. I remember when I spoke to someone, I get uh, aches in my knees sometimes, especially my right knee. And the person said, you know, they know someone who's really into CBD and has great knowledge. And, you know, if you, you, you should, I should speak to them because it can really help with the pain. So I can imagine that athletes probably use quite a bit of it because, you know, when you put your body through what you do with, you know, you, with basketball and especially when you're very tall and your body sort of, your, your, your joints are under a lot more pressure. Um, I think that, you know, people probably use the CBD because you remember it, over here in the States, it's, 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 you know, we're a lot more lenient with those things. And so I want to believe that, you know, if she's traveled there before, she's probably traveled with it and never had a problem because she's a basketball player, right? And I, I want to believe that because of the war in Ukraine, that, you know, Russia decided that they were not going to give her a pass this time. Right? I mean, she's coming from a foreign country. It's it's over here. People use CBD for, as I understand it, for many, many things. Even the cannabis people use, and, and it's becoming more and more um, legalized across the United States. But anyway, um, if you know, they always say that you know ignorance of the law is not an excuse. It's your responsibility to know what the laws are wherever you're going. Even across the United States, from people who tr people who travel from state to state, if you're going to go through a state, uh, it's your responsibility to know what the laws of that state are. So, to that extent, I'm assuming that you know. That's on her, but I still believe that this is all a you know, political game because I'm, you know, a friend, the same friend I was chatting with today brought it to my attention that, and he actually sent me some links to some stories that uh, suggest that there is a, a swap in the works, you know, a swap of, of, of her for a, I guess, a Russian political prisoner. And so, you know, as I said, you know, it's unfortunate that she got picked out because she's, you know, she's a professional athlete doing this um, to make their living. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, this because of Ukraine again and because the United States is backing Ukraine and been supplying them with supplies and, you know, in, in, in every way, including weapons, that Russia decided to hold what they would deem to be a, a high-value target, so to speak, a high-value um, asset. And... I have a good feeling that the trade will ultimately go through. I don't want to um, refer to the article on my episode and, and mention the name of the of, of the prisoner they want to swap because um, although it's been mentioned in other parts of the media, 
I don't like to speak on things that I, I don't have enough information about. And I, I certainly don't have enough information about that um, to speak about it. So I'm hoping that it works out and she, you know, she gets back here and, you know, obviously I would, I mean, people do strange things, but I would hope that she would never go back there under any circumstances, even if, you know, countries in this world become enemies and friends so quickly. It's just a, it's just a matter of the situation. If they have a common enemy, they become friends overnight, you know? So I would hope that regardless of the circumstances that she would never go back there and you know, once she's back here. Um, and I hope that, you know, I've heard, you know, stories about the conditions of, of jails in Russia. So I'm hoping that she's getting, um, you know, some sort of decent treatment as a human being and not being subjected to more than, than we are being told. I know that there's a trial that's either started or supposed to start. And I, and I think the trial is part of the, you know, putting the pressure on the United States for the prison swap. But, yeah, I wish her the best, and I, you know, and I say this to all the athletes that that go overseas, not just to Russia, but to any country to to play ball or to you know to do your to make your income on the off season. You know, remember that it is important for you to know the laws of that country. It is not their responsibility to tell you; it's your responsibility to know the laws, and and that you cannot assume at for one moment that the laws are similar to those in the United States because each, you know, Russia is communist, right? So, you know, what, what's allowed, you know, they don't even have freedom of speech. I mean, last I heard before they did the media blackout in the war, there was something like 13,000 um, protesters, who, uh, Russian, you know, Russian, pro, Russian citizens who were protesting the war in Ukraine and they were all locked up. I don't know how you lock up 13,000 people. I mean, you know, we have protests in the United States with two or 3,000 people. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, our police departments, you know, in, in one city don't have the, the capability of, of rounding up two, 3,000 people and putting them where, I don't know. So um, that should tell you the conditions those people must be under and the, and the punishment they must be receiving because I guess to people like Vladimir Putin and those people is going to be seen as betrayal because people express their, you know, their God-given right to, to speak freely. So always remember that, you know, not only going to a foreign country, but even traveling across the United States, if you're here, you know, even traveling from New York City to Nassau County, um, there are different rules, you know, firearms and all these things, there are different rules, and it's up to you to know the rules, not to, you can't get in front of a police officer if you're, if you're pulled over or something and, tell, and say, I didn't know. So, you know, ignorance is not an excuse. Now, one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I guess this is going to be a short um, podcast or compared to my others, I want to talk about student loans again because the next deadline we're coming up on is August 31st. Now, there's a few things I want to say about this. From, first, from the obvious position that very few people are going to be able to pay student loans come August 31st. Look at what's going on with the economy in the United States right now. Inflation. And, 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 and every day you hear more and more dire predictions that we're heading into a recession. You know, and, and, I, and I, I, I get very angry. I get very deep in thought and very angry when I think about the politicians on both sides. I don't want to hear who's Democrat or who Republican. I'm talking about all of them 
who don't seem to care about the pain of the people and who seem to be somehow, you know, in their own way, whether it's publicly blatant or whether it's behind closed doors, they all seem to be working towards making sure that the gap between the poor and the wealthy remains as far apart as possible. I, I saw, I read an article actually where there's some Republican members, I think they're the House representatives, who are, were introducing some kind of act that would prohibit the Department of Education and the president from forgiving any student loans. And I'm saying to myself, you know, these people sitting on their high horses, you know, who are rich and they have all the conveniences and all the perks, don't feel the pain of the people who are struggling to make it ahead. If you can give billions of billions, we probably up to $100 billion probably that we gave to Ukraine so far. And if we probably count arms and assets and everything else, probably over that. And you are squabbling about forgiving loans for your own citizens who are going to make this country better. It seems like they have a fear that if they, if they, if they forgive student loans and, and people get to get a leg up and move forward and maybe they can actually afford that to buy that home because they don't have that bill anymore, that somehow we might get a little closer in, in, in closing the gap in wealth between them and us. And they don't want that. They want the ability to always stick their noses out and look down at the people and say, hey, we're up here and you are down there. How could it possibly be a consideration? I don't care about what's going to cost the federal government. We pay the taxes to the federal government. I don't care what's going to cost you to forgive student loans. Don't give me that economic crap. When you're giving, you know, you're printing money and sending it abroad, you know, and think about this for a second. That hundred billion dollars or whatever they sent to Ukraine so far, that's not the only country we're giving money to. So for you to say to your own, and I always say charity begins at home, for you to say to your own citizens that you can't, you can't take them out of a, a struggle, a dilemma when you know, you know these facts. Number one, you know that out of the 46 million, approximately 46 million people who are, who are in student loan debt, that, that a high percentage of them have degrees that don't allow them to earn what they need to pay back their student loans. Not by their fault, because they, they graduated and they graduated high in, with high honors but they can't get the jobs, whether it be about whether it be because of the systemic racism that this government has publicly said, at least at least you know, President Biden's part, I'll give him that, has publicly said that he's acknowledged systemic racism and that it has existed for how long? If it has existed for how long, then you need to understand the part of our struggle that says we have been fighting for that long. We've been fighting for that long to get to the point where we can get a job that allows us to live even a piece of the American dream and your system has oppressed us everywhere we turn. I've been over this on podcasts before. Everywhere you turn, a minority faces a roadblock. And it's all the time because of the color of their skin or the, or the accent that they speak with. We go to the grocery store and you know, many of us run into what we call them, the Karens, who tell us to go back to where we're from. We go to, to, to a job and we, we're, we're the best dressed person with the highest education and the most and the well, the best spoken person and we don't get the job. We get that email that says, thank you so much for applying, but we've decided to choose another candidate. We look at organizations and the whole top of these organizations do not represent anything that, that, that America looks like. 
And don't tell me that that's okay. I'm not asking for you to, to, to give minorities more over, over other races. I'm simply saying it's about time that we get treated fairly. And it's about time that, that you, you, you sort of help us and pay us back for what you've done. Because to leave us on our own to struggle is just a continuous cycle of poverty. It's a con- continuous cycle of many of us falling short. It's a continuous cycle of surviving by any means necessary, which means a con- it's a continuous cycle of oppression and therefore a continuous cycle of violence to survive. All of that, our politicians and our wealthy need to own. I'm sure many of you can remember what was big in the news when they said, I forgot what year it was, but there was a year when Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, paid $755 in taxes. You tell me how that can be fair and right he pays $755 in taxes, has got millions of dollars of, of investments, and I'm the one who has, can lose my home and everything I own for a student loan. The wealthy get all the loopholes. And we know for a fact that whenever the Republican president, they make sure they support those, those, those rich so they can continue to get the loopholes. These people have no decency, no morals. They don't, you know, they don't care about another human being. They're looking for ways to make sure that their money multiplies while others suffer. Like I said, it's, it's some sort of, 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 of pride they almost walk around with to be able to look down on the rest of society and say those people. And there are a lot of us who are those people. The problem is we can't or we don't unite enough. We need to unite enough to make a change. We need, to, we need for the people, you know, if, if you go back in history, there's many, many times when you, when you, when you saw in history that if, if minorities had stood together, they were doing so well in business, etc., that they might actually have more wealth in their neighborhoods and in their community than you can, ima- than you can imagine. We have, a, we have a fault of our own. And that is whenever we see someone else getting up from our own minority race, we look to pull them down instead of pick them up. And then we have the ones who make it from our own way, our own people who make it. And next thing you know, they're too good to associate with us. And they've, they've got a taste of the rich life and, and those are their friends now. We have to make a change. Every time you hear me in this podcast, you hear me plead for you to share this podcast. If you yourself feel that for some reason that you don't have any opportunity to take any time out of your day and out of your life to make a change. Then you pass it on to someone either who can or someone who's already in the process and and is motivated enough to be a part of making this change. I'm tired of us talking about it when we can be about it. Think about when we had the George Floyd issue, incident, criminal act, that took his life. Think about when you looked out and looked at the news and you saw the crowd, thousands of people marching, all races, creeds, and colors marching. They saw something wrong. We all saw something wrong. What happened to him? And we stood up and look at what happened. 
we did something that in many, many years ago would not have happened. We brought justice to the family. All these people in the Senate, all these lawmakers who make a whole lot of money, they do it all for our backs. Who are their customers? I want you to think about it. Who are the customers? Who are the ones making them money? We are. Who's buying their product? We are. Who's shopping in their stores? We are. Who's allowing them to say, hey, here is a, 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 a new sneaker, a new something. Even when they use the names of our basketball stars who are minorities, they're making more money. Like I told someone before, when you see a basketball player gets a contract for five years, $150 million, do you think he's the one that's getting paid? The man who owns the stadium, the man who has shares in the stadium, the man who's sitting atop, who's, who's got his hand in every pot clean and dirty. If, he, if our basketball star is making $150 million for five years, he's making a billion dollars in that five years. We got to stop making people rich off our own backs and start making our own rich. And if we're going to support our own people and we're going to make our own people rich, when we start getting up, we can't get envious of each other. We've got to stretch our hands out and pick another person up. And I'm saying all this because I'm tired of this nonsense. I'm tired of us now, you know, living with this anxiety of what is President Biden going to do on August 31st. I wrote Chuck Schumer. I'm going to write him again um, I'm waiting for the beginning of August because August is the month when, you know, when the moratorium runs out. I'm going to write him again. He didn't answer me yet. I thought he would have. I had a different opinion. I know he must get letters from all over the place. But, you know, there are certain people who always responded. Even when President Obama was president, I wrote him back then about student loans. And he personally didn't respond. I don't think he even read my letter, but at least his team did. I got no response from Schumer. And then what I'm, what, what I'm, what I'm bothered about is, is this man that 82 million of us, you know, 82, and that's said of us because I don't know who did what, 82 million people voted for President Biden. And he made a promise about student loans that many people hung on real tight. And now he's what we call, and I guess he's reneging on this promise. He talked about forgiving student debt. Then he went some point to saying $50,000. And now he's down to some nonsense of $10,000 for anyone making $150,000 or less. Well, I did the math because student loans, federal student loans are usually 30-year loans. And if you take $10,000, you divide it for the 30 years, he's basically giving you a break of $27.78 a month. Are you serious? You give Ukraine $100 billion and counting. And for me, being a loyal citizen of the United States, giving everything I have every day, waking up early, going to work, and giving my all to this country, you can forgive $27.78 a month. And you want to tell me you understand my plight? 
you want to tell people who are struggling and and let's let's make no mistake about it because you know there's there's republican uh lawmakers that that tried to put or, or at least introduce that act said some nonsense about you know that forgiving student loans or something to the effect that if it didn't forgive it, it would only affect 6% of the people. What kind of nonsense is that? Out of the 46 billion, approximately billion, uh, million people who owe student loans, the majority of them are minorities and women. The, you put minorities and women together, as, this is what I read statistically, and they make up the majority of those who not only owe student loans, but will be affected by them. I have a, a, a member of my church, I was speaking with him a couple of weeks ago, and he says his daughter just graduated with honors, I forgot from where. And I'm saying, wow, that is great. And, and, and I, I could see the excitement, yet the sadness in his face, because he looked at me and he says, Julian, She's finally finished. She's all graduated and she's well educated and well accomplished, but she has 400 and something thousand dollars in student loans. How is she going to live? She's going to give everything back. She's not going to a different country to work. So even if you can tell someone, you know, if, even if you, 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 were, you were compassionate enough, President Biden, to say, I'm going to cut all student loans in 50, yeah, 50%. That's still not what we want because the system is so uh, unfair and people have suffered so much that the federal government needs to take this one on the chin. I don't care what you have to do. Print money, whatever. I don't care. Don't tell me nonsense about inflation and all this nonsense while you are. So because of your inflation, because of what it's going to cause, it's going to cost you in, in revenue, you're willing to let 46 million people, let's say even half of them, 23 million people suffer. Now, when I say suffer, understand, people have lost their homes, had to move back in with their parents, at, at big adults with children have to go beg their parents for a room in their house. And it's not a, you know, we, we're going to do this for, for four years or five years and we can get back on our feet. It's a 30-year commitment. Even if you get loan forgiveness, it's a 10-year commitment. Do you know what happens in 10 years? 10 years from now, I've got a pretty large listening audience, and I hate to say it, but life is life. 10 years from now, at least 10% of my listeners, of my thousands of listeners, probably won't be on this planet anymore. We don't know. But with the unpredictability of life and how precious it is, you shouldn't take 10 years away from me, from living. You didn't create life. You gave me a chance to, have, to get an education, and the payback for that should be that I have to give that education back to this country, which I already do. For crying out loud, make people do, do five years of public service. You know, make them do some, some volunteer service for five, you know, give me volunteer service for 10 years. I don't care. I'll go down. I'm, I'm already someone who gives to the people. I'll go do the food pantries and whatever you need me to do. As long as it doesn't have this kind of impact on my life, that I have to look at my children and say, hey, Daddy can't afford this anymore. Daddy can't afford that anymore. Daddy can't afford the roof over your head anymore because I've got to turn around and give the federal government money back that they paid to a school that didn't give a crap about my education, that, that the society that is, uh, that has, that is, that is enthralled and, 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 and saturated with systemic racism. So daddy can't get a good job no matter how, you know, I've applied for 200, but I still can't get it even though I'm highly educated. And, you know, 
cost of living, food. Just to put a child in school, to put clothes on their back, to pay the different fees that come with even public school, there's still always this or that going on and they, they, they come to the parents for money. To have your children grow up in a world or have a normal kid's life where they get to maybe go on a vacation or two in, 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 the, you know, in, in their early years. And I'm not even talking about vacation every year. We've, you know, sometimes you have to give up on that vacation every year, hope, because everything this government does and everything any government does that we elect is so partisan that we don't look at the damage they're inflicting and the way they're just creating wealth for themselves and leaving all of us behind. Even the people who are, who are staunch partisan supporters Many of them suffer, but they're willing to stand behind their partisanship rather than unite as a country of people and make sure that we have a government for the people, by the people. The government's been telling us what to do for too long. We need to tell them what to do. There needs to be fairness in what we do. We want a government that leads us by looking at what's best for us, by understanding our plight and coming up with solutions. When someone's going to debate whether or not they're going to forgive student loans, knowing the circumstances under which they were student, knowing that people have been facing systemic racism, knowing that people are struggling, knowing that gas prices are out the roof, knowing that food prices are out the roof, knowing that many people lost breadwinners due to COVID, a pandemic that no care how rich or poor you are, the pandemic was not prejudiced. It took lives from every single wealth category in this country and around the globe. Knowing that people are struggling desperately with where they went from two incomes to one income, they're barely making it. Some are not. Knowing how many uh, hundreds of thousands of people are behind in their rent, and the, the government that, that prints money and sends it abroad to support wars abroad overseas will not lift a finger to help us and will tell us about the best they can do for us is for giving $27.78 a month. You do the math. $10,000 divided by 30 and then divided by 12. I'm tired of this. We need to make sure that there is a change. And the only way there's going to be a change, I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about standing together. I'm talking about using the power of the people and saying, hey, you know what? I don't have to purchase from your store. I can do without your brand. I can take my money and take the member minorities we are, we, are, we are large in numbers. So I can take, we can keep our money and support those businesses and people that support us. When you start hitting the wealthy in their pockets, when you start hitting the politicians in their pockets, when you make them realize that without us, they can't do this, then we'll become important to them and when we become important to them on then and only then would our lives change I don't know about you but like I said before 
I'm tired. I'm tired of us not being able to get it together. I'm tired of, of, of having conversations that are only supported by a few people willing to step out and just be heard, to stand silent in unity and to stand together peacefully and make a difference. I hope that you will join me in this effort. I hope that I can count on you not only to share the thoughts, share the podcast, but also engage people in conversations. I want to see the emails come in at podcast at 247realtalk.net. I usually get many of them now, but I want more. I want to hear from people who want to get involved, who want to start reaching others and saying, we need to stand together. Years ago, there was something called a Million Man March. Maybe we can get to the point where we get several million people to stand silently in front of the White House, in front of the Capitol, not rioting, not, but silently and peacefully, and let them know they're there because we're here, and what they do must be done for the good of the people because they're elected by the people for the people. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not ours, be done. It's a pleasure to be with you once again and remind you to keep on making an effort, putting one foot in front of the other, never stopping, never tiring. We've got work to do, so let's get to it. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.